Rated M for Mecca. Welcome to Giant Shooty Robots, the podcast that's all mecha all the time. I'm Ash Beard Guy, and on tonight's bonus episode, I am flying solo. Now, I am well aware of the fact that the first official episode of Giant Shooty Robots hasn't dropped yet. However, yesterday, Allende Hall of Studio Maho dropped the second part of the first chapter of Blade titans his mecha manga now i'm about to do something on this podcast that i've never done before i'm gonna attempt to do a chapter review now this is usually the preserve of some other podcasts that specialize in it such as project manga and project webtoons but wait i hear you cry giant shooty robots is first and foremost a mecha anime podcast and you'd be right however blade titans is a manga by a black creator that has been crafted with such insight, attention to detail, and a tangible love for the mecha genre that it would be a crime for me not to review it on this podcast. Like an actual crime, like a felony in all 50 US states, and I'm sure under federal law too. Anyway, that's enough dilly-dallying. Here's the review of Blade Titans, chapter one. So let's set the scene. It's the year 2326. Resources have become stretched. Cities are no longer able to extend across land masses. So instead, they've been built upwards, extending into the heavens. Neo Tokyo, where our story takes place, has been split into three constituent areas. We have Choten, the highest level. This is where the super rich, the elites, reside. Then we have Shinzo, the heart of the city. This is where the middle class resides. In addition to this, a wide range of companies and corporations operate here. And then we come on to Wakinoshita, the armpit of the city. This area is populated by those from the most socio-economically deprived backgrounds. This then brings us on to our protagonist, a resident of Wakinoshita, Mirai. Nakamura. When we first encounter Mirai, a half black, half Japanese delivery woman, she is absolutely elated about receiving her 50,000 yen paycheck. However, along comes a police drone to completely ruin that feeling and fine her for being two minutes over on the parking meter. Two minutes, 120 seconds, which is absolutely ridiculous. However, Mirai is a woman of color more specifically, a black woman. And if a human police officer is not going to give her the benefit of the doubt, then a drone, which more than likely runs on artificial intelligence that contains all of its author's biases within its code, 
definitely isn't going to give her the benefit of the doubt. So yeah, ACAB. And that even applies to the non-sentient robotic ones that run on artificial intelligence. Anyway, before I go off on an abolitionist tangent, let me continue to regale you with the narrative of this chapter of Blade Titans. Mirai then arrives home to her younger siblings, Eureka and Akito, bickering over a stuffed animal. She then relays the unfortunate news about the shortfall in her pay to her parents, who are less than impressed at the news as it means that they might not make their rent this month. So they sent her to rummage through some of their old personal effects in the hopes of selling them to Mr. Watanabe down at the pawn shop so they can generate enough funds to make said rent. Mirai finds an interesting sword, a katana, amongst those things, that has apparently been passed down through her father's family for some generations. She then rushes down to Mr. Watanabe's pawn shop in order to sell the items. He gives her quite low ball offers on the other items, but then she presents the sword to him and his expression changes. He becomes filled with excitement. After scanning the sword with his data goggles, he's about to inform Mirai as to what the heirloom actually is, but then some unfamiliar individuals enter the shop. Well, unfamiliar to Mirai, Mr. Watanabe is fully aware of who they are. So these individuals are Ryu, Taneda, and I don't believe we're given the name of the third one. They've been sent by Fujiwara Corporation to recover an artifact that was picked up by one of their scanners. Said artifact is the sword that Mirai's father gave her. So obviously she's now hiding behind the counter at the instruction of Mr. Watanabe. However, the scanner is still picking up the signal. So he pushes her to run. Now, man like Ryu, <laughs> man like Ryu's holding heat in it. So he shoots Mr. Watanabe in the shoulder. Mirai looks back. She doesn't want to run, but he tells her to go, that he'll buy her some time. Then there's an exchange between Ryu and Mr. Watanabe. Mr. Watanabe warns him that Fujiwara Corporation are meddling with powers and forces that they cannot comprehend. Ryu reaches for the heat again and, and undoubtedly dumps more lead in his chest. In it. Part one of the chapter subsequently ends on that cliffhanger. And I'm going to tell you, Allende had us waiting the longest for part two. But trust me, the wait was worth it. So in no uncertain terms, part two is an action-packed chase throughout Neo-Tokyo. It begins with Mirai running through the streets. And not long after, the biggest member of the Fujiwara Corporation enforces catches up to her and gets her in a headlock. She proceeds to bite man and then continue to run away. And she is quick fam. She then continues to run, but unfortunately, she encounters some drones who are obviously looking for her. She's quick, but she ain't quick enough to outrun drones. <laughs> she then comes across a pizza delivery guy. And in order to continue making her getaway as swiftly as possible, she, she takes his scooter, which is obviously going to come out of his paycheck. Poor guy. Poor, poor, poor guy. She then proceeds to continue her getaway, outmaneuvering the drones, making them crash. However, one of them fires a missile at her and long story short, Scooter's wheels become punctured and it becomes severely damaged in Mirai's effort to avoid said missile. Mirai's getaway continues into an old disused subway. Obviously, man like Ryu gets hip to this and takes a drone to go and continue to track her. However, because the subways, however, because the subway's walls are so thick, he can't get a decent signal on the scanner. 
At the same time, as Mariah continues her journey through the subway, the katana begins to curiously vibrate. She continues on further and further into the subway and reaches what is apparently a dead end. While this is happening, the katana vibrates with ever-increasing intensity. So you know said dead end wasn't actually a dead end, right? It was a hologram. Mirai proceeds to walk through this hologram and discovers a room. A room unlike anything she's ever seen before. She discovers something that will conceivably change her life forever. What is it that she discovers? I'm not going to tell you that. You'll have to read Blade Titans chapter one. You can either go and read it on Webtoon or alternatively, when it's available again, you can purchase a copy of Blade Titans volume one from Studio Maho. Now, for my actual thoughts on the chapter, the first thing I have to comment on before I even consider the narrative or how well the characters have been written is the artwork. It is simply breathtaking. The backgrounds are detailed. The characters are drawn with care and attention. The lines are bold. They stand out. Allende is quite clearly an artist of immense talent with an exceptionally keen eye for fine detail. And I'm just going to say it now. Even if the story wasn't as impressive as it actually is, I would still read Blade Titans for the art alone. And now we come on to the narrative, the characters, and the inordinate amount of storytelling potential that Blade Titans actually has. Crafted by Allende in conjunction with Patrick Thomas of God Punch, the narrative of Blade Titans is certainly impressive from what I've seen over one chapter. Obviously, Allende doesn't give too much away from this initial chapter. However, you definitely get the sense that he is attempting to and will ultimately be successful in penning a narrative that is grand in its scope. As for the characters, I have no concerns about them whatsoever. Mirai is an interesting protagonist. She's engaging and you can see hallmarks of her personality traits right from her initial appearance. I mean, that encounter with the police drone was probably one of my favorite parts of the chapter, even if it wasn't the most action-packed moment. I also liked her interaction with her dad when he suggested selling organs on the black market in order to generate funds for the family. Her reaction shows that she's a realist and doesn't suffer fools gladly, which is a trait that she very much gets from her mother, who proceeds to hit her dad over the head as chastisement for his preposterous suggestion. But yeah, Mirai is a dope protagonist and I look forward to seeing more from her especially after what occurred at the end of this chapter. Now, let's come on to my favorite character in Blade Titan so far, Mirai's father, Isamu. Man, all I gotta say about Isamu is, it's me, I'm singing. <laughs> nah, 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 I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, he's dope, man, he's a dope character. I love the way his speech is written. I love his dark, macabre sense of humor. He definitely, definitely reminds me of myself or what I will be like when I become a father, God willing. One thing I would like to see from his character arc is that even though Mirai will undoubtedly pilot a mecha as the protagonist, I would like to see Isamu get his own mecha. Maybe like a prototype 
of Mirai's eventual mecha. That would be dope. Like, Isamu is undoubtedly my favorite character that I've encountered so far. And I just want him to win, man. As for Mirai's mom, I definitely get Sundere vibes from her. And Mirai's younger siblings seem fine so far. I have nothing negative to say about them. As for the Fujiwara heavies, especially man like Ryu, that dude is one cold motherfucker. How are you going to take out heat and just pop an old man in his chest like that? Like, blow. That is crazy. So, to sum up, I am incredibly, incredibly impressed with Blade Titans Chapter 1. It is a beautifully drawn and well-written manga. The narrative and characters are engaging. The action is so dope and the cliffhangers are well-placed. Allende, with the assist from Patrick on the narrative, went hard in several different shades of paint with this. You have to read it. You can find it on Webtoons, or you can go to studiomaho.com and I think order a copy of Volume 1. So yeah, whether you're into Mecha or not, go and read it right now. So. That concludes the chapter review for Blade Titans Chapter 1. If you want more Mecha Manga reviews from Giant Shooty Robots, just let us know. Either tweet us or email in your suggestions at giantshootyrobots at gmail.com. So I'm Ash Beard Guy, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Ash Beard Guy. You can find my co-host, Sentai5, on Twitter and Instagram at Sentai5. You can find Giant Shooty Robots at www.giantshootyrobots.com or on Twitter at Giant Shooty Robo and on Instagram at Giant Shooty Robots. And you can find my other project, Black Anime Podcasts, the internet's number one destination for anime and manga podcasts by black creators, which will soon be expanded with Black Anime Trip, a directory of black-owned anime, manga, and geek inspired clothing brands at www.blackanimepodcasts.com and on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Black Anime Pods. So I'm Ash Beard Guy, and that was Giant Shooty Robots. Episode one will be coming very, very soon, but hopefully this will tide you over until then. Peace. This episode of Giant Shooty Robots was produced by Ash Beard Guy with music provided by Versi Jones. Battle, Battle ended. ended. Battle ended. <laughs>